Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Searching for the loan that's right for your life or your business? The Bank of Clark County offers personal auto financing, personal loans and business lines of credit, mortgages and business real estate loans, home equity loans, personal and business construction loans, and more. Whether you're looking to upgrade your life or your business, the Bank of Clark County has the loan that fits. Visit your local Bank of Clark County branch or go to bankofclark.bank. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. Do you know what people see when they Google you? Search engines don't always get it right, and when they're wrong, it's your reputation on the line. So what do you do when you don't agree with your search results? Call Reputation Defender at 855-432-4905. Reputation Defender is one of the most trusted names in online reputation repair. We have over a decade of experience in fixing people's search results, and we can help you too. Using cutting-edge approaches, Reputation Defender pushes unflattering information down to lower pages of your search results, where few people ever look. We also promote the good stuff so that it rises to the top, letting you put your best foot forward. Your good name is too valuable to leave to the whims of a Google algorithm. You owe it to yourself to take charge of your reputation. Visit www.reputationdefender.com or call 855-432-4905 for free advice on your situation. That's 855-432-4905. I'm Tamara Thomas, Editor-in-Chief of UrbanHealthToday.com, part of the DocWire family of medical news sites, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Urban Health Weekly. Our goal each week is to keep you informed of the latest in health and medical news right from today's headlines. It's time to empower yourself with open conversations about your medical care with news that matters to you. So are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, I'm Tamara Thomas, and welcome to Urban Health Weekly, where we talk about medical news and health topics that matter to you. I'm here with Jackie and Lou. How are you guys? Hey, how are you guys doing? Hello. I'm doing all right. Uh, Hanging in there, living the (laughs) (laughs) dream-ish. I just spilled coffee all over my face, so (laughs) rushing to try to get things done. Uh, How are we feeling about this unmasking? New Jersey, you guys just passed, uh, your your governor just passed. Yes. Yes. The masks are indoors are are not required now. And depending on the individual school, apparently, and our school, they're still sort of in the process of discussing it, but they sent out, the superintendent sent out a thing. I think it's going to be optional. I think it's going to be a case. And uh, and so my kid is very excited about no mask. Me, not so much. We did have a discussion. You have to be sure to be polite to those who are masking. And they sent out a whole email with the school, whether or not. um, Your school has decided not to uh, not to have masks. I think they're putting it up for discussion tonight. But the the early the early scuttlebus that it's going to be a case where they're you're not masked, but you can wear a mask if it's optional. Yeah. And that's stressing me, quite frankly. So. I'm well, not in New York. We've got kind of we, so indoor masks. Uh, that's gone. I mean, enough laws right. have been around that. Uh, but then the school masking is still not an option. The, that's still required. that I feel like should be the case. It, the the law should the the state should be saying, but you have to wear a mask in school. Like I just feel like because it's too difficult for the individual school districts to yeah, have yeah. to battle that out. Yeah, and yeah. so I think. I'm, we're going to know for sure probably later in the week, but uh, like next to the beginning of next week, but it's really bothering me. I wish they had just left it in place because once again, it puts the individual school districts in a position and then everybody's fighting and yeah. Uh, and now you've got the whole airplane behavior. Well, let me tell you, my friend in Virginia, she's fit to be tied because their governor, Youngkin, he just let it all hang out. He's just like, 
It's parents' choice. Oh, wow. Virginia's nuts. Want. So there are lawsuits flying back and forth. It is crazy right now because she said that maybe 25% of the kids are wearing masks and the majority are not. Wow. Stay healthy. How do you stay safe with those numbers? And then what is the uptake um, in terms of kids being vaccinated? Like if you're vaccinated, it's probably not that huge a deal. But if right. you're unvaccinated, then it becomes really dicey. Right. I know I'm going to be wearing my mask, but I can't make my kid wear his mask. You know, he's uh, he's going to want to feel footloose and fancy free and just rip that thing off and run around the school. Ah, well, I asked my little one how she's doing. And she's like, well, I'm vaccinated, so I'm okay. That's true. Yeah. I, I'm curious to see how all of this uh, democracy, and I'm doing air quotes right now, is going to work <laughs> systems because they, they're getting parents involved. And uh, these, are, these are issues that I think people are going to be almost divided 50-50, uh, whether wear masks and all that. And I'm just wondering, you know, let's say a school board, a school vote 60-40 to not wear masks. I'm wondering, or the other way around, I'm wondering how the losing side is going to react and what the repercussions is You know be. how they're going to react. They're going to pick it. You know, that's an interesting, that's interesting because, you know, in 2020, we had a school survey that went around and asked about masking and closing and how you feel, you know, and that survey did not come around this time. So maybe, you know, uh, maybe they just said, we're going to avoid that because nothing good is coming out of a survey. So that's, I just noticed that that's very interesting. You brought that up because sure enough, they didn't have a survey this time around. Wow. Well, her swimming school wrote and they were like, we know what the state says. And we still require masks. So we'll see you. <laughs> we'll see you at your next lesson. <laughs> Wait, you guys wear you guys wear masks in the swimming pool? Not in the swimming pool, but on the, the premises in the swimming yes. pool area where the kids are. No, obviously they're not wearing masks. Right. Once they leave that enclosed area, they have ah. to be masked and parents have to be masked. So they're saying. We, re- we recognize that the, the indoor mask mandate is lifted and we're still maintaining ours. So we'll see you next time. All right. I appreciate that. Well, let's, let's get into it. So I have to cover this because this speaks so much to what I'm trying to impart to people. So doctors repeatedly told a 24-year-old woman that stress was causing her symptoms. And then they found cancer. Ugh. 24-year-old Hannah Catton told doctors something was wrong, but doctors continuously dismissed her concerns as depression. They didn't listen in late 2018 when she told them about her frequent urinary tract infections. They didn't listen months later when she returned to tell them she was having irregular periods. And they didn't listen when she complained of bloating, constipation, diarrhea, and extreme pain. All 10, you heard me right, 10 physicians told her that she was young and healthy, so it was probably nothing, just a little too much stress. One even told her she was overweight and losing a few pounds might ease her symptoms. Then in October 2021, she collapsed in pain and took herself to the emergency room where surgeons found and pulled a cancerous blob weighing roughly four and a half pounds and stretching nearly eight inches. That's about the size of a volleyball from one of her ovaries. Mama Mia. Indeed. Can said she went back to her doctors to tell them they got it wrong and in the process made her feel voiceless. This time they listened. She said they'd been responsive to her criticism and agreed to go through ovarian cancer awareness training to help them spot symptoms in the future. Doesn't sound like that happened here. Actually, yeah, this is, this is uh, in the UK and in Australia. She says, I felt like they needed to know so that they could do better. First of all, uh, let's call on her speaking out. Yeah, let's applaud this young woman for going back to those doctors and holding them accountable. Yes, because I know that doesn't happen a lot. Usually what happens if you have a bad experience, you just don't go back to that doctor at all. So they don't get feedback. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad that she did that. But that wasn't just one doctor that screwed the pooch. That was 10 doctors who dismissed her concerns. You know, wow. she, said, she said that she felt she could have been a better advocate for herself. What? She went to 10 different doctors. If that's not advocating for yourself, I don't know what is. Listen, women, 
We need to learn to be more forceful. I'm leaving men out of this. And the reason I'm not including men in this is because there's this tacit understanding among doctors that a man doesn't show up to the doctor unless there's something really wrong. Oh, that's a good point. Let's take him seriously. So that's already built in. And men tend to be a little more vocal about when they're having an issue. Women, on the other hand, we have this tendency to try to, we want to be nice. We want to be civil. We want to be polite. We don't want to stir the pot. And, you know, we got to advocate for ourselves. We have to speak up. We've got to ask questions like, well, well, can't, why can't you just do the test anyway? Or why do you think that this is this and not that? Why exactly do you think that this is not the case? Make them answer you clearly. Make them articulate what they think your symptoms are. Hold their feet to the fire. We always want to be nice and not make trouble. And this is to our detriment. I'm not saying to be a jerk or to be rude. I'm saying push back, ladies, always push back. Have the conversation. Don't just walk away knowing in your gut that something is wrong and leaving with that doubt. Have the conversation, please. I'm begging you, speak up, ask questions, say something, advocate for yourself. It's so important that we've got to use our voices because this this could cost our lives. Absolutely. Unless we think this is just like a UK system and an Australia system. No. Much the same story happened right in California. Remember, we did this a couple of episodes ago. We discussed almost identically. And also the doctor had commented that maybe when that patient lost weight a little bit, that maybe it was a good thing. So there was similar there. But this patient had pain also. So I don't know somewhere along the lines of seeing 10 doctors, I wonder if somewhere along the line, they flagged her in her, in her chart or something. I'm I'm betting you, they did not flag her. I'm thinking they all thought the same thing and said, you don't think they flagged her maybe like, oh, she's a whiner or she's a complainer. I mean, like, that's that's a good point. I, I don't know. Are they allowed to do that? I don't know. It tends to be a bit of a hypochondria. Can they say that? Are they allowed to, to do that? I don't know, but maybe if they say go see, or maybe it's some possible depression that might flag, you know, somebody's got to come in with an open-minded 10 doctors. But I think that this is a, this is an opportunity for patients to put it back on the doctor. Don't let them put it on you. You say to the doctor, really, why do you think that? Tell me exactly why you think that. Based on what I've just described to you, why do you think it's this? Where do you get that information from? What are you basing that on? Hold their feet to the fire. Make them answer. Yeah. See, what's happening is that if that doctor would have seen 100 women with mm-hmm. the same symptoms, okay, they would have been writing the diagnosis 90% of the time, or maybe 95 If that woman was over 40. Uh, 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 let's just put it out there. And by the way, let me just point out that that four years ago or three and a half years ago, she was only 20. I'm not defending the doctor. I'm not defending the doctor. I don't know too many 20 year olds that that advocate for themselves. In in these type of cases, what happens is the doctor just goes with the most common diagnosis. Oh, right. Okay. And forgets about the possibility that something underlyingly serious could also be in effect. So if they saw 100 people, 95, they'd be right 95% of the time. But what about the other five? The other five, it's life right. Yeah. So they really uh, have to take a moment and say, okay, even though this, the, the problem is probably this, I'm going to have you take, I'm going to have you test for that just in case. Just to rule it out. And rule out, rule out the, the exceptions not dismiss the exceptions, which is what was done here. There was no ruling out of exceptions. There was dismissing the exceptions outright. I, I get it that people are going to complain about unnecessary testing and blah, 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 blah. But if your doctor tells you to test, even though if you don't think so, take the test. I think doctors should always err on the side of let's rule it out. Let's make sure that it's not what we think it is. It's better to be safe than sorry. Moving on. Black women are disproportionately concentrated in low-wage, hazardous healthcare jobs, according to a study. Black women are more widely represented in healthcare than any other demographic group, but are disproportionately concentrated in some of the country's 
most dangerous and lowest wage jobs, according to a new study published in Health Affairs. More than one in five of all working Black women are employed in the healthcare sector. Among this group, Black women are 37% more likely to work in the long-term care sector or 42% in licensed practical nursing or aid occupations, researchers found. By comparison, white women in the healthcare workforce have only 25% predicted probability of working in long-term care. The US's historical legacies of racism and sexism, these are not my words, this is the article, have shaped the employment trajectories of black women dating back to how care work was divided in slavery and domestic service, researchers said. The findings stress the need for policy and institutional changes, such as raising wages for low paying healthcare jobs, providing pathways for career advancement and addressing racism in the professional pipeline. And that's according to the study. That was a mouthful. Yeah, it was. You know, our mutual friend just finally turned in her nurse's cap for good and left nursing. She, really? Yes. She, you know who I'm talking about. She was attacked by a patient and the patient's <gasps> friend. So the patient's friend accompanied her to the, the visit. And while she was in the middle of treating the patient, they both attacked her. And she was already on pins and needles because of all the stuff that was going on in the facility. There was like car vandalism. She was actually paying an adjacent business to watch her car so that they wouldn't- Oh my gosh. Yes, they would pull the fire alarms several times a day, defecation in the common areas. It was bananas, the stuff she was telling me. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I was trying to tell her like maybe she should, you know, look for something else. Well, anyway, she just, after that, she just had had enough and she just left the profession. It was unsafe. And she'd have to travel far for that job. Not really. I think it was, it was close enough to home, but I don't think they valued her. You know, they begged her. Definitely not. When she, when she quit, they begged her to stay. But when she, what are you going to do for my safety? Nothing. Crickets. But please come back. Don't leave. So she left all together. So not even a case where she's like, yeah. I'm going to try somewhere else. No. Clearly, nursing in demand. She left the profession. Wow. And that's a lot of what's going on in the profession now is that a lot of these healthcare workers don't feel safe because these patients are um, very rude. They're very in the combat zone. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's, if you, I'm sure if they did studies, there's going to be a lot of PTSD among For these. For sure. Yeah. I think anybody in the service industry today is, you know, yeah. you face the public. Yeah. Uh, because the public has got, and this totally I think there's going to be a huge mental health restaurant crisis. Restaurant employees. Yeah. Yes. And everybody's then, in the line of fire and civilized discourse is. And this is why no one wants these jobs, because why would I take a job that pays me so very little money and puts and me I, such harm and there are no protections for me? And I take everyday abuse. I mean, there's no reason for that. Yeah. 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 No. And uh, we just had, uh, I, I don't know if we're going to cover any of this later, but uh, here in New York, in one of the better neighborhoods, uh, a CVS employee tried to stop a shoplifter. Um, who was shoplifting a couple of uh, shopping bags worth of stuff and just walking out the door and the and the uh, oh worker, my god don't even get me started the person on that. got stabbed so oh it, my like, god you yes. don't sign up for that kind of stress when you take a job no I mean, what are exactly you, doing? I mean, you know it's 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 crazy wow yeah it's it's pretty outrageous mm-hmm. and the shortages are significant. But they're even more significant when we start getting into the home health worker shortage. Mm -hmm. And so the question now becomes, could paid family caregivers alleviate the home health worker shortage? I know here in New York, you can take care of your elder, your aging loved one, and get paid by the state as a home health aide to do it. Um, I don't know how many other states have that. Do, Do they have that in New Jersey? They do have something like that in New Jersey. It's not, I, w- I don't think it pays market rate though, well, but it's. But at least it's not. It's a burden. Yes. At least it, it eases some of that burden. The person that, that you're, who's going to be taking care of you, you know the person. Mm-hmm. So there's that. You don't right. have to vet somebody. You don't have to worry about people not showing up. It's certainly more efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So listen to this. With the ongoing shortage of healthcare workers, families across the country are struggling to access the home care their loved ones need. For people who care for relatives with chronic conditions, the problem is particularly acute. For example, Jessica Aviles of New Hampshire is training to be a licensed nursing assistant, or LNA, and practicing these skills in order to get hired by a home care agency to help her seven-year-old son, Gabe, who suffers from Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Duchenne muscular dystrophy will cause all Gabe's muscles to eventually break down, including his heart and lungs. Often, oh, horrible. Yeah. People, often, people with the disease don't live past their 20s. The ways Medicaid pays family members to provide in-home care vary from state to state. Medicaid payment for parent caregivers don't always qualify. Most states allow for aging family members care, as I mentioned. Ah, okay. The devil can really be in the details because states have so many different ways of approaching this, said Kitty Purington, a senior program director with the National Academy for State Health Policy. With COVID-19, some states have provided more flexibility to pay family caregivers through Medicaid, but whether that flexibility will continue when the pandemic is over remains to be seen. You know, I've always liked the idea of being able to take care of your loved ones and getting paid for it. Um, yeah, it what? just makes good sense. Also, um, it leaves out, if, especially if the person's going to be home there anyways, it's, you don't have to wait for somebody else to show up. And that was um, gonna, that's my question. Why does she need to work for an agency? Why can't she just directly take care for her of her child and the state of New Hampshire pay her? As a caregiver um, for a child. I think the agencies give you training and make sure you... Well, she's currently training and she, she's training to be an LNA. Yeah, the, the, well, the agency makes sure that you're training, that you're certified, that you do things to a certain standard. They, they do have some oversight. Okay, it's creating oversight. Okay. Yeah, it creates oversight and it creates some standardization, not just like take care of mom, good luck, you you know, here, here's a hammer when she misbehaves to sit her over the head with a mallet or whatever, oh you know. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Yeah, it's not one of those things, you know, or, you know, give her two sleeping pills and call us in the morning. But, um, you know, the, the there is some supervision. There is some follow-up where they show up at the house every X amount of time just to make sure that the patient is healthy and, and, adhe and you know, the adherence, the protocol is happening, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think the agency does serve some benefit. The problem is how much more are you paying for the agency oversight? You know, is well, it 10%, is it 25%? I was going to say, good lot of good that that's doing because the turnover rate it, among agencies is very high. Mm -hmm. You yourself have experience with aging parents, people right. just not showing up. Yeah, that's oh. awful. That's why you would think that a family member is there anyway. You don't have to wait around, but an agency, are they going to show up to, uh, for the oversight? Well, if they don't make that much, um, I, cause I was doing a private pay. I mean, if I'm going to go for my situation, I was doing a private pay and I believe that I was paying $20 an hour to the agency and the agency was, uh, was paying, you know, we once got an aide to talk to us. And tell us how much oh. she made, and she was making like seventeen an hour. Okay. So the agency oh. was making three dollars an hour on the overage, and what they would do is uh, that person's days off, or if they were sick and they couldn't come or something like that, they'd send a substitute. They'd have a sub. Um, okay. They'd allegedly send somebody that was trained. I say allegedly uh, with air quotes because there was a lot of times where these people had to be trained at the house. Uh, yeah. use equipment like Hoya lift, uh, you know, all the, all the equipment that you need for a patient, how right. to turn the invalid patient, uh, you know, a whole, a whole how to, some of the aides were very qualified. Some were not qualified. Others spent the entire day on their cell phones and we would give feedback, like, please don't send this one back. And for the most part, I would say out of 365 days a year, you got somebody to show up maybe 355 days a year. You did have problems. You do have problems either in snowstorms or hurricanes or right. that nature. And that can happen to anybody. Right. You also have problems on like uh, holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, those days. But they let you know in advance. We've got nobody for you on this day. So on the day before, just take precautions. So it was a relatively okay experience. Uh, I don't even know if I graded it as good. 
Um, but it was acceptable uh, and it was better than nothing. And, you know, unless I have a very good person, I would go with that scenario over private pay to a person. Well, my mom used to um, do private, she used to what she called it a uh, private duty where she used to be, a, a, but they paid her directly. It wasn't right. her them paying. Ah, that's what we do with my parents' uh, aid. She gets paid directly. Yeah, yeah. And, and that usually is the best results, but not everybody has money to. Yes. Well, listen to this. New York officials and advocates are arguing over a wage increase to avert the home health care worker crisis. Demand for home care is rising in New York due to the large, rapidly aging baby boomer population and a cultural shift towards growing old in place rather than in facilities. But recruiting home health aides to do the job has become increasingly difficult. Home care staffing agencies and disabled New Yorkers who receive state assistance to hire their own aides report that they're seeing higher turnover than in the past, and it's taking longer to fill empty positions. A 2018-2019 survey of home care agencies statewide across the state found that one in six positions were left unfilled due to staffing shortages on average. The problem has gotten worse during the pandemic, according to a report issued by the Home Care Association of New York State in February. For people who rely on home health aides for daily tasks such as bathing and eating, that's a major problem. We've had situations where workers don't show up and people have to stay in their bed and not get out of bed because they need help. Heidi Siegfried, director of the health policy at the Center for Independence of the Disabled New York said in an interview with Gothamist. The people that use home care are really dependent on the worker to live their lives independently. A coalition of state lawmakers and advocates for home care employees and clients is bringing the issue to the fore during this year's legislative session, pushing a bill that could raise the minimum wage for home care workers to 150% of the existing minimum wage in each region of the state. In New York City, that could mean a starting pay of 22.50 per hour. Raising home care wages statewide would cost an estimated $4 billion per year. The bill, called the Fair Pay for Home Care Act, now has enough sponsors to pass in the State Assembly and the Senate, but Governor Kathy Hochul hasn't lent her support. She did not include funding for the measure in her executive budget released in mid-January, even though addressing the health care workforce shortage was a focal point of her State of the State speech earlier that month. The only funding she included for home care workers was a one-time bonus of up to $3,000, but it would only be paid to employees who stay on the job for at least a year. Hochul budgeted $1.2 billion in fiscal year 2023 for the bonuses, which would also be available to other types of frontline health care workers. Much of the home care in New York State is funded by the Medicaid program, which provides health insurance to people who are disabled or have low incomes. The money is supposed to flow from the state to individual Medicaid health plan and then to home care staffing agencies, which in turn pay their workers to go into people's homes. See, that's that's the problem right there, isn't it? That the money goes through so many hands before it gets to the employee. Yeah. So what they were saying is they're going to raise it possibly as high as uh, twenty two fifty from. Well, seven- that they like for so that's the aim of the the act to raise it to 2250 in New York City. They, we don't know that it's actually going to pass, but that's what they've put forward that's kind of sitting on Governor Hochul's desk. And she hasn't thrown her support behind it yet. No, she's thrown her support behind the bonus, a sign of bonus provided they stay on the job for a year. But is that enough? I don't uh, know that that's enough. That doesn't sound like a, a wage. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, they, uh, I'll tell you, I, on my experience, uh, some of the home health care workers kind of opt out towards the end of their. uh, Oh, burnout's big, isn't it? Well, no, beyond burnout, it's full financial burnout. Oh. Sometimes they're also on benefits and other programs. So what happens is if they're go above X. They actually get some of these benefits taken oh, it's away. It's kind of like them. the pensioners. You can only yeah, work. Yeah, you know, they, they work X amount of hours. And once they get to that threshold, they say, look, we can't work anymore until next year. See you next year. And that's happened, that's happened to me personally. Uh, 
on our cases at least half a dozen times. Oh my wow, that's a lot. And then they come back in January and, and you got them again, or there's a whole group that doesn't start working until March and then works until the end of the year. So at the end of the day, it is, it is, they have to figure out the 360 of it all. It's not as much. Um, Virginia Cooperative Extension is your local connection to Virginia Tech and Virginia State University. With offices in nearly every locality, Virginia Cooperative Extension provides low or no-cost services including well water testing, soil sampling, 4-H clubs and youth development activities, nutrition education, how-to workshops, and much more. Visit ext.vt.edu to see what your local Virginia Cooperative Extension team can do for you. At Virginia Cooperative Extension, we are changing lives. Virginia Tech and Virginia Cooperative Extension are an equal opportunity affirmative action institution i think absolute pay as it is benefits as it is uh time off for training uh all of these things uh yeah yeah you know the they're they're required for example they're required to on their own time to stand there and be tested for covid which as you know sometimes here it takes three hours a right 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 they gotta come up with that and take a picture of it and all of that they're not being paid for that right so Maybe they should be paid for that um, and reimbursed for that as part of their time. At the end of the day, they'll make more or they'll have to work less and they'll be stressed less, is what I'm saying. But the absolute, here's 2215, good luck. Don't let the door hit you on the, um, don't let you, the, door hit you on the back uh, side on the way out. May not don't be let ready. the door hit you with a good Lord split you. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I'm more for the benefits and the overall, yes, you're going to be paid more. Uh, you're going to be paid matter, better, but maybe, you know. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Time uh, or comp time or getting paid overtime to take tests, uh, being paid like teachers do to uh, have uh, training days and things of that nature, not just do it on your own and let us know when you did it. But here's what I'm wondering. How does Hochul know? How do any of us know that the money that, let's say she releases that money and it, it has to go through Medicaid then it has to go through managed care. Then it has ah. to go through agency. How much of that money is actually flowing into the hands of the people who need it the most? Oh, so maybe that's the hesitation. I see what yeah, you're I'm, saying. I'm wondering if that's see, the Medicaid, hesitation. Like most people think that Medicaid actually pays the worker. That's not the way it works. Right. The Medicaid will pay uh, a company right. um, to do the managed care for you. You know, which is not a good, uh, usually, outcome because not all these companies, you know. Because it's supposed to be a cost savings. And then it, and then does that money actually funnel down properly? It's like when you, it's like some of these nonprofits, you know, you send a donation, let's say you send a check for $100. How much of that $100 that you send is going towards compensation for the people at the nonprofit? And how much of that is actually going to, the cause that they say that right. they're working administrative right. Right. costs, yada, yada. and they're totally yeah. entitled to their administrative yeah. costs. Right, but if you if you go to Medicaid, they you know they're going to say, okay, sign up for one of this. So let's say you sign up. I'm going to name one of the big ones. So this is not a, an endorsement or a condemnation, but you get Fidelis. Okay, so oh all my God, I have <laughs> yeah. Fidelis. So you so you think you're getting Medicaid, and they say Medicaid for all, but Medicaid doesn't have to stay up or the reach or thing to do much except to tell you to hire Fidelis. Okay, so now I've hired Fidelis. So then you deal with Fidelis, 
and Fidelis is getting a fee on you. So for every dollar that's being spent on the patient, you're not going to 85%. Then, then there's a, a further you know, grind down of the whole thing. And you wind up getting a very, very inefficient um, scenario with a lot of middle people and people telling you, well, it is covered. It isn't covered. I don't know what to do about this. Fidelis then doesn't also have people, so they hire an agency. And then it's that agency that actually sends you the people. So by the time that dollar passes Fidelis, let's say they take 10 cents. So now it's 90 cents that goes to the agency. Now the, the agency, they're going to take another 10 cents. Okay, it's 70 cents or 80, or, cents, or 80 cents that's going to the actual person that comes to your house. So there are a lot of levels to this and a lot of layers to this. Well, don't forget that, oh, say, so you said the Fidelis took their 10 cent and then the agency. Then the agency takes I think the agency cent. takes more like 50 cents, but okay. You know, <laughs> they, they take something. So that's 22.50 that's so that, being so doled that, yeah. out to Fidelis by the time it gets to the worker yeah. is a lot less. Yeah. Where an insurance company will, will do this. Now you can mandate from the bottom up, you can mandate and say, hey, agencies, you've got to pay your worker 22.50. That's a completely different thing. But then that would raise prices, not just 10 or 20%, that would raise prices 40 or 50%. And then Medicaid would, would start having problems because Medicaid doesn't have that much money. So it is a problem. So let me tell you a situation that I had years ago when my mom was sick. The diagnosis was metastatic breast cancer. My mother quickly, quickly deteriorated. She was already not able to walk. And she became not able to feed herself and just everything just started going like all her systems just started going one by one. So she was an invalid and she needed care. The managed care company, we'll call them Nidellis, used to <laughs> refuse to provide eight hours of service for my mother. And I said, look, well, she's an invalid. I don't understand why she can't get, no, she can only get four hours, four hours a day. That's all we can provide. And so I had to take care of her. I fought tooth and nail. I had to finally petition Medicaid themselves and say, look, my mother's an invalid. She's not able to care for herself. I have to care for her. Nadellis is only providing four hours a day. And finally, Medicaid removed Nadellis as the middle person. And that's when she wow. was able to get the eight hours of care that she needed. She really needed more than that. But, you know, I was younger. I was able to right. make the remainder. But that was my experience. They refused, despite all the documentation that I provided, that she was an invalid and not able to care for herself. She needed to be fed. She needed to be clean. She needed to be Golly, they just put that block in and... Said, nope, sorry. Uh, four hours. That's all she gets. But it wasn't until that blockade was removed that we were finally able to get care. So just saying back to the whole argument of, yes, we want to pay workers more money. Are we paying these workers more money or are we making these companies a little bit richer? That's, that's all I'm wondering. We want to make sure the money gets to the right place. And I think Hoko and I'm not in her head. I don't know 100%. Right. But I imagine that she's probably doing that thought dance in her head too. Like, well, how do I know this money? How do we ensure that this money, if I release this money, how do I know it's actually going to get to the employees and not fatten the paychecks of the executives that work for the companies? So it's just a thought exercise. Let's think about it and let's take a break and we'll be right back. today about why cooking at home is better for you. People who frequently cook meals at home eat healthier and consume fewer calories than those who cook less, according to New Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health Research. When people cook most of their meals at home, they consume fewer carbohydrates, less sugar, and less fat than those who cook less or not at all. 
even if they are not trying to lose weight, says Julia A. Wolfson, MPP, a CLF Learner Fellow at the Johns Hopkins Center for a Livable Future and lead author of the study. The findings also suggest that those who frequently cook at home six to seven nights a week also consume fewer calories on the occasions when they ate out. The research found blacks are more likely to live in households where cooking occurs less frequently than whites and individuals who work more than 35 hours a week outside the home cook less as well. Obesity is an escalating public health problem that contributes to other health, serious health issues, including diabetes, high blood pressure, and heart disease, says Wolfson. The evidence shows that people who cook at home eat a more healthy diet. Moving forward, it's important to educate the public about the benefits of cooking at home, identify strategies that encourage and enable more cooking at home, and help everyone, regardless of how much they cook, make healthier choices when eating out. That's common sense, right? Everyone kind of knows this or has at least heard this, but yes. people, it's easier said than done, especially right. when you have the siren call of fast food commercials, drive-throughs, and delivery services adding to the lure of convenience. We're all guilty of it. I try to order foods like salads, and I'm very specific in my instructions for preparing food when I order out. Yes, you are. And I also <laughs> stick to places that I know can accommodate my request and in general offer a healthy menu of items. So it's, it's not that bad. But why do more people not cook? Because they think it's too costly and too time consuming. Why do you think people are not cooking more at home? Well, I think it's absolutely convenient. And I think we've discussed previously that I think fast foods are especially tasty and addictive. Mm -hmm. And after we've developed that palate for the like super zhuzhed up foods that are made extra tasty, sometimes the home cooking tastes a little bland, uh, especially to children, because they always want to eat out in my experience. Uh, they always want like novelty foods and they always want like takeaway and fast food. But also it mentions that you know, that blacks are more likely to live in households where cooking occurs less frequently, which makes me think that also in reference to what we were previously saying, right. a lot of people who work out of the home, it looks like there's longer commute times for exactly. a lot of black people. They're working maybe possibly harder. Yeah. That are more exhausting. Yeah. And you, that means you had to grocery shop already. You had to like sort of plan ahead. Right. And it sounds like they've got less time to yeah. themselves, period. And they're exhausted. Yes. Yes. So yeah. I found this incredible article on Forbes magazine that breaks out how much you really save by cooking and eating at home. They okay. analyze data from Priceonomics and Wellio, a platform that breaks down millions of recipes into single ingredients. And they match those to grocery items from local stores. So this allowed them to match. That's, quite, uh, that's a very interesting little app right there. I know, right? So this allowed them to measure the ingredient cost for a wide variety of recipes. For 86 popular dinner recipes, they looked at the average cost per serving of cooking from scratch and compared it to the cost per serving of ordering from a restaurant or a meal kit delivery service. That's really handy. They found on average that, listen to this, it's almost five times more expensive to order delivery from a restaurant than it is to cook at home. And wow. if you're using a meal kit service as a shortcut to a home-cooked meal, it's a little more affordable, but that's still three times as expensive as cooking from scratch. And in these cash-strapped times, we need every penny. For restaurant ah. delivery, they looked at menu prices on the websites of the following national restaurant chains, Applebee's, Cheesecake Factory, yeah. Chevy's, Chili's, and P.F. Chang's. Then they added an average of $5 delivery fee based on delivery prices from Star, right. Uber Eats, and Grubhub. Since meals sold within a meal kit are usually part of a bundle, they took the average price of a meal across the bundle, then allocated $2.50 delivery fee per meal. So for home cooking, Forbes looked at the cost of ingredients according to Wellio based on Whole Foods Market. Can you believe it? Whole Foods, a national grocery chain with quality products. So think about how much more money you'll save if you shop at your local grocery, like your Publix mm. or your Walmart or your Wendy's. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they're doing this based on Whole Foods. Whole Foods, Whole Paycheck. Yes. Whole, exactly. 
Whole paycheck is a fifth of the cost of takeout. <laughs> wow, that's mind blowing. That's so let's mind blowing. Look, I know. So let's look at the, the chart, the cost comparison. So if restaurant average is $20.37. Mm-hmm. Meal kit is, is average $12.50. And it's $4.31 for home cooking yep. per meal. $4.31. That's staggering. You know, I used to do meal kits because that was like, a discount from all the takeout. And also it was an activity to do with my kid during the early part of the pandemic. Um, and it was like kind of fun and it, we, you know, we did something together. And then over time we've accumulated, you know, a gazillion recipes and like somehow the novelty wore off for the kid with doing the, um, the cooking, uh-huh. but it, did, it was a discount. And now I've got some skills and I just am much better able at just cooking at home. But I can understand still, sometimes you want the novelty, sometimes you want like to avoid the grind, but it's a staggering savings in the last two years since I've been cooking. Yeah, I used to do the meal kits also, and I stopped doing it. And the reason I did it was not because of cost savings or anything like that, but because of the prep, because everything is already cut up for you and the everything is already pre-portioned. So it's really just putting it all into the pot and putting it together or putting it in the oven. Right. But what happened is I worked so much that it would just, they would just accumulate. Oh yeah. They would pile up and then you would get them. I wouldn't get to them. And so I was like, okay, I must, I must have like a month's worth of meals here. (laughs) I have to sift through. And I only really cook like, you know, a few times a week. And I don't make like large portions. So a right. lot of it would just go to waste. So I was like, ah, I may as well just buy what I want and just, just cook and just do the prep myself. All right. So the meals where you save the most money cooking instead of delivery. So they have a list of the top. Ooh, that's a good, that's a good, uh, I'm very interested to know which meals you save the most at. So some of the meals were things like pork tenderloin, mm. sausage and peppers, sesame chicken broccoli alfredo pasta mac and cheese meatballs chicken meatballs pasta bolognese chicken wings chicken tacos pasta bolognese is so easy peasy to make at home i'm telling you and dirt cheap yeah and even that so you now you're probably thinking who the hell has time to make this stuff i thought that too but what i'm thinking is if you make your meats and you buy salad ingredients i'm not talking about making pastas and taking out like 10 pots and all of that. Right. I'm literally talking about make the meat, mm-hmm. buy your pasta ingredients. You know what my, um, my stepmom does? She buys the huge container at the supermarket of the salad. And then she buys all her ingredients and she chops everything up and she puts it all. It's all very beautiful how she does it. It's like a beautiful little bed. And she puts wow. all the ingredients inside the container with the lettuce. And then what she does is she takes out of that during the week. She just grabs, you know, her tongs and she just puts it on her plate with the meat. So she meal preps like ahead of time. Exactly. Like you take a salad. Oh, batch preps. She batch preps her salads. Exactly. And that's what I do. I, I put them in these, in these Ziploc bags. And then what I do during the week is I just grab a handful enough to put in a bowl. I heat up the meat. I throw the meat on top of it, put some dressing, and then you've got a meal. You, you do it all on one day ahead of time where you do your batch preps? Like I, do, I do most of my batch prep on a Sunday, say, for example. Mm-hmm. So I do all the meat cooking on a Sunday and then maybe like a Wednesday. And then I have enough meat through the week. I do the, the salad on like a Friday or a Saturday. Like when I get it, as soon as I get it out of that grocery bag, mm-hmm. I chop everything up. It doesn't hit. Oh, that is disciplined. You're still like flat out of the store. You get home. That's right. It doesn't go directly. Because if it goes directly into the fridge, what's going to happen is. Don't go sit on the couch. Exactly. As soon as it comes out of that bag, I chop everything up. I chop all of those vegetables. I throw them in the bag together. You can also get frozen veggies that you can put in the bag in your microwave. And then boom, you have a side dish for your meat. I mean, it's, it's, mm. it's really that easy. How do you store your bag of salad? Do you store it vertically? Like Marie? I store it horizontally. What I do is I ah. as much air out of it as I can. Not like a- <laughs> it's 
flatten it, flatten it. Sometimes I'll even put my mouth in the corner and suck as much air out. Oh my I put God. it in a salad spinner. So I spin it out to get all the extra water out of it. Then I put it in the bag. Then I suck out as much air as I can. And it's like a space bag. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to take all the air out of it, but I take as much out and I flatten it and I throw it in there and it, and it lasts, you know, and, and you end up having like a nice, easy meal. That's a great idea. I, um, I have like these wooden bowls, like a really, really big, like 14 inch wooden bowls that I got. At, like, wow. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and I got one of those, it's like a Metaluna, but it's um, like they use at, at those salad places. I bought right. a couple of those, but I bought uh, like an Ulu knife. It's an Alaskan Ulu knife. Okay. And then I just, I have salad ahead of time. And then I throw in a bowl and I just chop it right in there. And oh, then I'll okay. add, so I prep ahead of time. And then I've got all these like containers and then I could just make a quick salad with all the different things whatever strikes my fancy oh so you you put everything in separate containers so that all you have to do is pull a container right and then then if I have like a feeling like oh I want I'm craving this I just pop that on my salad and that's really helped me a lot and then I just pop it all up with that that Metzaluna style knife yeah Lou, I noticed that you're being very quiet about this. <laughs> you know, you guys are doing all these wonderful things. I mean, my my approach is open up a can of candle candle soup. It's oh like, my I'm, god! You know? <laughs> Don't you say that? It's, <laughs> it's a lot better than calling Domino's or somebody just getting. Some, Let that uh, be stricken from the record. Do you know how much Campbell's <laughs> tomato soup or whatever it is has? Oh my! It has god. some. You know, it has some. It has so <laughs> much. They do have a healthy eat section, and I do usually gravitate towards that. Uh-huh. What do you I'm eat with better. your soup? What do you eat with your soup? Do you have like bread or you have cheese, oh which, which is grown in the microwave? <laughs> so, this what? tells you. This tells you like my uh, grilled cheese. How old are you? Oh, grilled cheese. But what what I would say is that. What what happens is the sheer. Exhaustion. I'm sorry. I'm making fun of you because you know better. Yeah, you know better. <laughs> I know better. I strive to eat better, et cetera, et cetera. But but here's the grim reality of it. And and I go back to by the time I'm ready to have like my final meal of the day, I am just so exhausted. Yeah, you, you know, it's either and I fight the temptation to just dial for Chinese food or for pizza or for something. Oh, the struggle and, is real, yeah. And and it is a temptation, and I and I'd say I'm about uh, about eighty percent successful. You know, maybe once a week I'll, I'll I'll cave in, but for the most part, I'm just exhausted. I uh, just want you. to prepare something or eat something. So unless I have like one of those uh, whole food or wherever prepaid pre-made salads that I just open up the tin and eat whatever's in there. Uh, oh, those are good too. And those are good. You know, they're you can, expensive, though. They're expensive, and you know, I they're don't like. They the, start at ten dollars. Yeah, they are yeah. expensive. They they are overpriced. But if that's all you're buying for you, and that helps you to eat healthier, I think that's a very good. But yeah, I, if you're only doing that a couple of times a week, that's already ahead of. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do that two or three times a week. The problem there is that you know, I only have time to go to the supermarket maybe once a week or once every ten days. So I'm not going to buy that too far in advance. So I'll buy two or three of those, and and I make those last uh, in terms of in terms of the entire week. So I usually eat those right after I make my trip to the supermarket. Then I'm left with like five days of nothing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's time to hit the can, or it's time to call the Chinese. Are you saying when you open up the refrigerator, it's all like bare and like? <laughs> Uh, it's time to mooch on somebody else's food. <laughs> you know, like a drive-by. Oh, here's a platter. Let me help my... Hey, that's a cool leftover from somebody else's plate. And oh uh, and after I, I mooch that, then, then what's left to me? I, I mean, so I, I do strive for it, but I, I would say exhaustion yes. is the first thing. I, I would say, you know, for somebody else, not that I'm, you know, not that I'm a, a billionaire here. But for somebody else, I think you also have economics too. Yes. Where fast food is going to be, you know, 20 bucks or less. The Chinese food is going to be 20 bucks or less. And you say, all right, I know I'm eating these bad ingredients, but 
I just need to feed myself. Right but now. I'm not sure exactly. people think I'm eating these bad ingredients. They're thinking I'm I exhausted. Think so I just want something good to eat. And I'm in the mood for Chinese. Right. Yes. Or I'm in the mood for Italian or I'm in the mood for whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't think people think, oh, this is so, I mean, I do. I think, oh, let me try and see what's like not greasy and it's not the, <laughs> let's, let's, what's not, new, <laughs> not greasy. And I'll literally put in the, in the, uh, in the, in the description, no MSG, <laughs> no cornstarch, no oil, just lightly steam. Are you getting that when you, put the sauce on the, oh, that's some good customer service at yours. Oh, absolutely. Because these apps kind of hold them accountable now because everyone, you know, leaves a a leaves a review. So they're kind of on their best behavior to try to fill your order. Ah. They'll call me too. They'll call for like, well, what do you mean? How do wow, you- that's some good customer service. I'm telling you, if I filled that out in my local Chinese restaurant, I think they would just They'd be like, wow. Ah. Yeah, they look at this idiot. Yeah, that's what they'd say. Yeah, wow. I'm, I'm part of the Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no, I'm very specific. Yes, I, you know, I don't want any of that stuff in my food. But but that's why I only go to the same places over and over and over. There you go. You're patronizing the people who deliver the goods. Yeah. And if you don't get it right, you will never have. I'll call them too. And I'll say, you put sauce in my food. You're right? an I'm excellent spokesperson. For well, you have to be. Yourself. That's right. Listen, you only have one life and you only have one you're life. You're being your own advocate for delicious <laughs> foods. Absolutely. Well. It's delicious to me. It might not be delicious to other people. I prefer to use my own sauces and stuff at home where I know what the ingredients are. I know where it's coming from and I know what it tastes like, et cetera. Like I don't like- Smart, very smart. Well, yeah, because I'm very conscious about what I'm eating. And also because I have allergies. So I have to be very- About, you know, not triggering them by just Mm -hmm. having willy nilly ingredients. And I'm sitting here doing a thought exercise and I'm saying, okay, what's healthier? Spending half an hour, that half an hour of spare time you have a day, is it healthier to spend that half an hour on the exercise bike? Or should I take that half an hour and prepare my own food knowing that A, I'd save money and B, I'd be eating healthier with less calories. And all of a sudden it's saying, oh my God, what is the best utilization of that half hour? The answer is having two half hours. But I'm not sure I have two half hours. I only have one half hour. But if you do it on a Sunday, you know, then you do have some pre-prep time and you throw everything into baggies. I'm telling well, that's, you, that's the whole thing. I mean, there, there is that tradition of, of making uh, Sunday like food day and just yes. cooking all the food and cooking. The I food. have a friend who lives in Mexico and what she does is she does her prep over the weekend and she puts everything in individual bags and she freezes it. Mm-hmm. And then she takes a bag a day and she defrosts the bag to have her meal. Might be all good. Right, that's good. That's good batch prep. Oh, absolutely. Remember, you only have one life and one body. Do your best to make it count so your years are full of life and full of health. Small steps each day, small steps, and you'll see a difference, I'm sure of it. All right, that's all the time we have today, guys. This was great, and I can't talk to you again next week. This was really fun, and we'll see you All right, bye, guys. everybody. And by the way, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that all of this information will be available on urbanhealthweekly.com, so you can access all of the reference material we've discussed here today. Visit urbanhealthweekly.com if you want to follow up on anything we discuss. I post links to all of the articles there. Also, while I try to stick to the free sites, a quick caveat that some of the sites may have a paywall up or require membership to access their articles. Thanks for listening to Urban Health Weekly today. I hope you'll join me and my friends next week so you can stay informed and inspired to take control of your health. See you next time. Summer is right around the corner, and you know what that means. Cooking out, diving in, and soaking up a whole lot of sunshine. The Home Depot has everything you need to start your summer right. 
upgrade your cookout game with Traeger grills and smokers. Then gather around a new Hampton Bay patio set with family and friends. It feels like Memorial Day at the Home Depot with savings on summer fun. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Summer is right around the corner, and you know what that means. Cooking out, diving in, and soaking up a whole lot of sunshine. The Home Depot has everything you need to start your summer right. Upgrade your cookout game with Traeger grills and smokers. Then gather around a new Hampton Bay patio set with family and friends. It feels like Memorial Day at the Home Depot with savings on summer fun. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.